Thank you. Um, I'd like to start by sharing a joke that I heard this week. I know how some of you all frown upon that, but I'm going to share it anyway. There was a sick man um, who went to the doctor with his wife. And the doctor examined him and he said, hey, this is pretty, pretty serious. So he asked the wife, he said, can I speak to you outside the examining room? So they walked outside and he told the wife, said, this is pretty serious. And, um, but I think we could get him back to good health. Here's what I need you to do. I need you to cook him a healthy breakfast every morning. Cook him a healthy lunch. Also, he needs to have a healthy dinner. And after that dinner, you want to give him a bubble bath. You want to make sure you rub his feet down when he gets out of that tub, give him a nice massage and everything. And then you don't want to overburden him with doing chores around the house. So they left the doctor's office. They got into the car. And the wife asked, the husband asked the wife, well, what did the doctor say? She said, you're going to die. You're going to die. Please stand with me <laughs> as the word of God is read. I'll be reading from the first chapter of John, starting at verse 35. And the text reads as follows. And again the next day, John was standing with two of his disciples. And he looked at Jesus as he walked by and said, Behold the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him say this, and they follow Jesus, and they follow Jesus. And most of you all know why I read that. John understood what his purpose was in life, and that was to prepare the way for the Savior. And the disciples followed Jesus as a result of John's direction. Let's go before the Lord in prayer. Father God, I thank you, Lord, for this opportunity to open your word, this privilege to share with the body what you've laid on my heart this morning. I pray that you would increase while I decrease, Lord, that you would do what I cannot do, that your word would speak through me and go forth with great power and conviction, that every ear under the sound of my voice, Lord God, would receive your word and not only receive it, Lord, but to act upon it. So I pray that you would be glorified um, through what's said here today. In Jesus' name, let the church say, amen. amen, amen. You may be seated. If you look at the bulletin, the title of today's message is, How's Your Vision? How's Your Vision? I'm going to change mics here for a second. I got this thing where I like to move around. It's difficult for me to just stand in one place. Um, but how's your vision? One of the things that I've noticed over the years of I, as I've matured is that one of the things that have gone is my vision. My eyesight isn't as sharp as it, as it used to be. I can't see things as clearly <laughs> as I used to. And some of you all can relate, right? Some of you all have come to a place where you need glasses. Uh, uh, you require them in order to see to be able to function and do the necessary things that you have to do. You need those glasses. Now, I remember growing up in the neighborhood, there was a childhood friend of mine, we called him Big E. 
And Big E had these uh, really thick glasses. They were probably about a half inch thick. And we used to call them pop bottle glasses. And here's the thing, Big E couldn't see a thing without these glasses. He needed them to see everything. I mean, when those glasses came off, he could barely see anything. And I remember one day we were playing football and he broke his glasses. And at that point, it was game over for him because he couldn't see the ball. He couldn't see the man that he was guarding. He was just rendered basically uh, useless to us on the team because he could not see. He lacked vision. And I'm going to tell you this morning, Big E was a muscular dude. His mom had bought him a weight set when he was like eight years old, and he was lifting weights all the time, so he was very muscular. But those muscular uh, 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 things that he had, attributes, were rendered useless because he lacked vision. And I'm here to tell you this morning that some of you all are sitting here right now, and you're struggling with your vision. Your vision is impaired. And some of y'all saying, Brandon, I see how y'all looking at me like, my vision is fine. I got glasses. What are you talking about? I can see. I can see you clearly. How many of y'all are thinking that right now? So I can see. Ain't nothing wrong with my vision. But I'm here to tell you this morning, it is. There is something clouding your vision. Then we need to first look at what vision actually is. We need to first examine that. And the first thing I want to go-to is where most people go to. Typically, when I'm looking for a definition on something, I go to dictionary.com. And it says here at dictionary.com, vision means the act or power of anticipating that which will or may come to be. The act or power of anticipating that which will or may come to be. I'm here to tell you this morning that God has a vision for each one of your lives. He has a plan. There's some major things that God wants to see done in your life. He wants to do some major things, but you're having difficulty seeing them. You're having difficulty tying into that vision that he has for your life. You say, Brandon, where, where, where do you get that from? God wants to do some things that will blow folks' minds. If you turn to Jeremiah 29, 11, here's what it says. For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for wholeness and not for evil to give you a future and a hope. And here's the deal. It doesn't matter how old you are or how young you are, God still has a vision for your life. He still has a plan. There's still some things that he wants to do in your life. And everybody's sitting there like, okay, what, 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 what do you mean, Brandon? What are you talking about? What's my vision? I don't care how old you are, how young you are. I'm going to say that again. God has a vision for your life. And we have difficulty buying into that. We have difficulty believing that God can do some major things through simple old me. Turn your Bibles to Proverbs 29, 18. And I want, I want to take a look at something. I want you to take a look at, just like everybody's got that look on their face right now, going, Brandon, what are you talking about? Where's this thing? There's danger in not having vision. There's danger in not believing that God could do some miraculous things through your life. There's some dangers in that. I want you to see something here. Proverbs 29, 
18 says this, where there is no vision, the people are unrestrained, but happy is he who keeps the law. Now, I like the King James version of this because it kind of adds some, some more seriousness to it in terms of the gravity of this thing. And the King James version says this. It says this. It says, Proverbs 29, 18, where there is no vision, the people what? Perish. But he who keeps the law, happy is he. Now, I'm going to tell you, I'm no um, expert on this. And I, I, I say this in all, I take that verse literally. I take it literally in a sense because right now in society, there's something that's in vogue right now, this whole thing about suicide. It's in vogue right now amongst young people, and we see a number of, we know some folks personally that have committed suicide. Now, I want to say I'm no expert on this. I know that mental illness can play a role in that, but I want to tell you something. If you come, I believe that the reason that that number, that, 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 that suicide rate is, is going up every year right now, that it's in vogue right now, I believe because individuals don't have purpose. They don't have vision. There's no way in the world that you could take your life if you understand that God has a purpose and a plan for your life. There's no way that you could commit suicide if you really truly understand that God has a plan and a purpose for your life. There's no way that you could take your life. You wouldn't do that. If you, if you really believe that and tie it into that. And I know um, that there are some some things involved with that in terms of, like I said, mental illness, but I really believe that people commit suicide because they haven't been able to embrace the plan and the purpose and have vision for their life. And that's something serious to consider. The whole aspect of it, when we look at uh, the New American Standard Version, it talks about that word used there is unrestrained, unrestrained. And I kind of look at that and I go, the way I can explain that is kind of like the Chicago Police Department. The Chicago Police Department's job is to enforce the laws, to keep everybody in line. Theoretically, <laughs> this is what they're supposed to do, to keep everybody following the laws, doing what they're supposed to do, make sure everybody a law-abiding citizens. But guess what happens sometimes if, if, if the police decided to be no more? You took away the police, and what, what would happen? It would be all kind of chaos. Things would be all over the place. It would be crazy, craziness. It's craziness going on now. But imagine if there was no police. Folk would be doing all kinds of stuff. And that's, that's in terms of the scriptures here, tell us that that's that whole idea of being unrestrained. When there's no vision, when there's no thing to hold things in place, there's unrestraint. People are doing whatever they want to do. And I see this amongst our young people, our young adults. A lot of times they're, they're in a state where they're just drifting. They don't know what they're doing. They might have a job. They might, might have gone taken some classes and gone to school, but they're kind of drifting and just floating through life because they don't have purpose. They don't, have, they don't see the vision that God has for their life. And even, I'm not going to let the, the older saints off. <laughs> myself included. I'm not going to let us off, off the hook here, because what tends to happen with us is that we experience failure. We experience disappointment, 
challenges in life pop up and then we get discouraged and we think, oh, it's too late for us. It's too late for God to do any major things in my life. I'm just complacent. I'm good where where I'm at. And then you just kind of go through life and it's like Groundhog Day over and over. You get up, go to work, come home, eat dinner, watch a little TV, surf the Internet, send a couple texts, go to sleep, get up, go to work, come home, have dinner. And it's day after day. This is your life. God, anybody can relate to that? Anybody, anybody can relate to that? Well, I'm here to tell you that God wants to do more than just get up, go to work, come home, have dinner, surf the net, go to sleep, and do the same thing over and over again. God wants to do some things, some major things with your life, but we have to plug into it. We have to plug into it. And here's the deal. It's never too late to get it together. It's never too late to plug into that vision. As long as you got breath in your body, you're able to plug into the vision. Here's what I want to tell you. The third thing in that regard is that you don't, the dangers of not having vision, one of them is you set yourself up for regret. You set yourself up for regret. Shoulda, coulda, woulda, you didn't. And there's no way to get it back I remember meeting with one of my family members and I was walking him through. He was talking about starting a business and, and getting things together. And, and he, had, he had a good educational background and everything, but he had been complacent. And so I started walking him through. I said, well, how much money do you want to make? He said, you know, I said, year, your yearly salary. How much money do you want to make? He said, well, 15, 20,000. And I looked at him like, what? What are you going to do with fifteen dollars or $20,000? I said, no, with your background, but he was so disconnected with the real world because he was on the other side. He was out there in the streets. So fifteen, twenty thousand dollars $20,000 was a lot of money to him. So I told him, I said, no, 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 no. With your background, you should be able to make at least, at least $40,000 a year. And let's see, you've been in this state for the past five years. Let's do the math. 40,000 times five is how much? That's about $200,000, right? And his eyes lit up. He was like, what? And he started to feel regret. And I had to grab him back. I said, hey, 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 don't worry about that. We can't do nothing about what happened back then. We can't get those five years back. What I need you to do is start focusing on today and start doing some things today. I need you to catch hold of this vision and start moving forward from here on. And I say the same thing to you all this morning, saints. Don't allow regret to stop you from achieving God's vision for your life. Don't get complacent. Don't get complacent. You can start today. No matter what happened years ago, let that stuff go. It's in the past. God can still do some major things. You think about David. You don't think David had regrets? Think about Paul. You think, think of what Paul did uh, in his life. God did in Paul's life, rather. You think about that. Think about Peter. You think Peter has some regrets? And these were individuals that made mistakes, and God was able to still use them to be a glory for the kingdom of God, to give him glory. Amen? He could do the same thing for you and I. Doesn't matter. So, Brandon, how do I get this thing back? 
How do sometimes we come to a place where we're just wandering and we're going down the wrong street? And, and I know most of you all have the GPS now on your phone. What does that GPS say when you're going the wrong way? Something like rerouting, recalibrating, recalculating. That's what we need to do in terms of getting our vision back. They say, how do we recalibrate? How do we get it back? So I want to share some quick things with you this morning in terms of how do we get that back? What does that look like? And say, hey, the first thing you have to realize when you're trying to recalibrate and catch that vision is you have to be in God's word. And God's word has to be in you. When you look at Proverbs 18, it says, but happy, the end of that verse, but happy is he who keeps the law. There's a direct correlation there in terms of the vision and you being in God's word. That's going to be God's way of exposing you, of bringing that, that vision uh, uh, to you. It's through his word. If you ain't in his word, you ain't going to get to know where he wants you to go. You got to be in his word in order for you to really understand what God is trying to take you, begin to speak to you. And once you start to, to develop and enhance that relationship with the Lord, he'll, he'll reveal these things to you. So here's what I want you to do. He'll start to open doors for you. He'll start to make sure you re meet the right people at the right time. And then he'll begin to unfold the plan. But you have to be in his word. I want you to turn your Bibles to Genesis 37. It's a familiar passage of scripture. You all know Joseph's story, right? Right? Y'all can respond. <laughs> you all know Joseph's story. Let's take a quick look at this. I want you to notice a few things that we want to glean from Brother Joseph's experiences that he went through as the Lord gave him vision. Genesis 37. We know the text tells us, I'm going to start at verse 30, uh, verse 5, I'm sorry. Then Joseph had a dream, and when he told it to his brothers, they hated him even more. And he said to them, please listen to this dream which I have had. For behold, we were binding sheaves in the field, and lo, my sheep rose up, also stood erect. And behold, your sheaves gathered around and bowed down to my sheep. Then his brother said to him, are you actually going to reign over us? Or are you going to rule over us? Or they, and so they hated him even uh, more for his dreams, for his words. Now, I want to tell you, we know that Joseph was his father's favorite, right? His father used to send him to the field to check on his brother, and Joseph would come back with a bad report. So that created some animosity between him and his brothers. They didn't like that. He was what you call in the hood a snitch. <laughs> so the brothers didn't like that. Then he comes in. Joseph, think of Joseph was 17, so he was still, you know, lacking some experience and probably, you know, some things um, that he areas that he had to grow in. He was a teenager, so I cut him some slack. But he shares this dream with them. I want to pull out two things from this. Number one, your dream needs to be so big that folks raise their eyebrows when you tell them. 
Folks, raise their eyebrows. See, look at y'all right now. Brandon, I don't deserve to ask God for no big stuff. I don't deserve to ask God to bless me with, with some major things. We kind of scared to ask God to do big stuff in our lives. I said, I'll give you an example of this. My uh, godfather, Dana Thomas, worked at Anderson, and Anderson supported him in his ministry. And they still do. When they sold the company, they still supported him. And so Dana called uh, the president last, last year to support his golf outing. And he said, Dana, I don't have a whole lot of time. Tell me how much money you need. And so Dana said, how about $15,000? He said, okay. And I looked at Dana, Dana called me, and then the president called me. He said, yeah, Dana called me, and I told him I didn't have time. Just tell me how much you need, and I'll write the check. I told Dana, you fool. You should have asked him for 100000 15000 He was like, Brandon, you being greedy now. I said, no, let him. <laughs> let the Lord work on his heart. He probably would have wrote you a check for $100,000. But you asked for fifteen, and that's all you got. Some of y'all are asking God to do some, some basic stuff, and God is saying, I want to do some stuff that's bigger than that in your life. I want to do some major things, but for whatever reason, we don't feel comfortable. We don't feel like we deserve it. I say, Lord, bless me. Bless me richly. Pour it all out on me. Give me everything that you want me to have and help me to be all that you want me to be. I'm not settling for being just average. I don't think God wants you to be just an average believer. I want to see God. I, I believe that God wants to do some major things in your life, major stuff. But we settle and we come become comfortable with just being average. Anybody can relate to that this morning. Say amen. amen. But I'm here to tell you, God is wanting to do some major things in your life. But so you want to ask, Lord, for big things. Ask him for big things. Ask him to do some major things in your life. I tell people all the time, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be on the PGA Senior Tour. And everybody looks at me crazy when I say that. Pastor looking crazy right now. Like, shut your mouth. Huh? God can do it. God can do it if he wanted. He could use me on the PGA tour. I see my wife like that. Stop, boy. Just <laughs> stop with that mess. Get to the word. Stop with that mess. But you want to ask God for some things that's going to raise folks' eyebrows. And you didn't think that Joseph's uh, brother's eyebrows were raised? They were more like, man, you got to be kidding me. Huh? that we're going to be bowing down to you, they didn't like that at all. They didn't like it. It rubbed them the wrong way. So the next thing I want you to consider this is when you're, 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 you're catching hold and trying to recalibrate your vision, I want you to take this to mind, is that you have to be careful who you share your vision with. You have to be careful who you share your vision with. Everybody, even with family, family ain't going to always encourage you. And I'm going to tell you, uh, I experienced this when I was telling one of my, my family members that I was going to go to college. I was going to graduate. I was going to uh, uh, play football. This person did everything in his power to discourage me. You ain't got, where you going to get the money from? Y'all ain't got no money for you to go to college. You ain't smart enough. And then to boot, you ain't that good of a football player. I said, I rebuked the devil in the name of Jesus. Was able to finish college, 
was able to, Paul, to, to, to play football. Now, he was right. I wasn't that great a football player <laughs> in that regard, but I was able to play football, and I finished and was able to come out, and I had a loan and everything, but the Lord worked that out, was able to pay that off all to his glory. But see, what happens sometimes with family members, and sometimes they don't, they're not doing it always out of, out of hate. Sometimes they're doing it out of love, and their kind of way is trying to, their way of trying to protect you from some things, from disappointment. Mama looking at me like, yeah, right. <laughs> but your family is not always going to be your cheerleaders. So you want to make sure that you're sharing your vision, your vision with somebody that's going to help you to, to, to buy into that thing, to encourage you. Man, if God can do it, he could do it. If that's the Lord's will for your life, he could do it. That's the kind of encouragement you want to you have. But expect, don't expect everybody to be on board with your vision. Don't expect it. Don't expect it because it's not going to happen. That's not reality. One of the things I also want you to consider this. Come to grips with the fact that you are going to face adversity. You're going to face some major adversity when you're trying to see your vision to reality. There's going to be some character builders that are come along the way. There's going to be some things that you're going to have to, to wrestle with. There's going to be some disappointments that you're going to have to work through along the way to seeing your vision to reality. And we know the story, and for the sake of time, I'm not going to jump into a whole bunch of it, uh, but we know that Joseph went through a whole lot. Number one being hated, hated, hated by your brothers. That had to be really painful, that your family members hate you. Not just, don't, I don't like you, it's a whole other thing to say, I hate you. That's a strong word. He was hated by his brothers. He was thrown into a pit. He was sold into slavery, right? He was falsely accused of rape, thrown into prison, forgotten about for all this time. And I wonder what was going through Joseph's mind. Some of you all have experienced some challenges. What's going through your mind? How do you get through those moments? How do you move forward in the midst of that? How do you move forward? When you, when you face with this kind of adversity, the first thing I want to tell you is, and you all have heard me say this before, you have to stay focused on the Lord. You got to stay focused on him. You got to stay focused on the Lord in the midst of that. And then the other thing is, you got to keep your vision in sight. You got to keep your vision in sight. That might require you actually writing it down somewhere that you can see it every day. Writing it down. Writing it down where you can see it. So when you're sitting there and you, you, you're going through these challenges and you're sitting there in your dark place and, and you get bad news, you go to the doctor and they say, hey, you got uh, cancer. And you're sitting there smiling and going, I want you to say this to him. That's not the vision. That's not the vision. When your spouse comes in and says, I want a divorce, you say, that's not, that's not the vision. That's not the vision. When I go to my job and, and they say, uh, your services are no longer needed here, you say, that's not the vision. When my kids are wilding out and they're so far away from the things of God, you say, that's not my vision. 
when you've been falsely accused of something, and you, you're totally innocent, you say, that's not my vision. They go, why is he looking up there? What's up there? Why is he looking up there? And I could tell you this and say, hey, I, this is what you tell him. I am looking to the hills so whence comes from my help, and my help comes from the Lord. And the Lord, I have to stay focused on that. Stay focused on my vision in the midst of adversity. You're going to go through it. There's going to be some challenges. You can't give up, saints. It ain't too late. Some of you all, there's some things that God wants to do right now in your life. Do you believe that he can still do it? I don't know whether it's business. I don't know the health, health-wise. I don't know if it's, it's, it's restoring uh, family relationships, all those things. There's a vision for you personally. You should have a vision for your family, vision for your career, all those things. God has poured into you. Will you believe it? Will you believe it this morning, saints? God is saying, I want to do some major things in your life right now. So at the end of life, you can say that he gets all the glory. Amen? Will you believe God for it? Will you believe the Lord for it? So I want to challenge you with that. I wasn't going to stay up here long, but I want to challenge you with that. If you're here today, first off, and you don't know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, maybe you're listening, you hadn't made a decision, Say, hey, I want to accept him as Lord and Savior. It's simply believing that Jesus died on the cross for your sins. I repent, ask forgiveness, you are saved. Then there's some that are here that have wrestled just with being complacent. Things hadn't worked out quite like we wanted them to. And we've been sitting in that, that place, and God is saying, man, I'm, he, he, he's ready to get after it, to do some things to you, but he needs you to wake up. Maybe this is that time for you all to wake up. Let's get going. Even with Chicago and Bible Fellowship, and I'm thinking about this vision because here's the deal. I don't, if you don't have a personal vision for your life, there's no way that you're going to really be an influence and God be able to use you in ministry to the level that he can. If you don't have what I'm telling you, if you don't have your stuff together, you're going to be a detriment to the body. And again, the last thing that you want to experience is at the end of life is regret. And we set ourselves up for that when we don't do what God has called us to do. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. Saints, you all know. <laughs> you all know what you need to do. So I want to give you that opportunity. Maybe it's you that's here today and you need prayer in that area. And I stand here uh, as well. I stand here as well in terms of asking God, saying, hey, Lord, help me to see the vision. Help me to be all that you've called me to be. Help me to be on track. And that's me. If that's you, I want to ask that you stand for prayer and say, Lord, 
I need prayer in that area. I have been complacent. I have been kind of short-sighted. I hadn't been thinking big. I've been thinking small. And Lord, you ready to do some major things, not only in my life, but also in my church, in my community. Think about it if it caught fire and the impact that you could have for the kingdom. So let's go before the Lord in prayer. Father God, I thank you, Lord, for those that are standing, myself included. I'm thanking you that you're a God of second chances. Even when we uh, come up short, Lord, you're there for us. You never give up on us. Lord God, I pray that you would empower the saints that are standing, Lord God, to be all that you've called them to be. Help them to clearly see the vision that you have for their lives, Lord and these miraculous major things where folk will, it will blow their minds with the whole idea that you would get the glory through it, then the kingdom would be blessed as a result. So empower us with your Holy Spirit to do what we cannot do, only you. So I pray and look forward, Lord, for the testimonies that will come in the coming months, in the coming years. And we could look back on these things. And at the end of our lives, Lord, may you be able to look down on us and say, well done, my good and faithful servant. That we didn't waste opportunities, Lord. That we took advantage of our time that you've given us here on this earth. In Jesus' name, let the church say, amen. Amen.